Hello, my name is Brian Lloyd. You are listening to the Revisit podcast on entertainment.ie. today's episode, I'm talking to Elaine Crowley, who hosts Elaine on Virgin Media One, and we are talking about Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Labyrinth is a really, really interesting film um, for lots of reasons, but I think one of it is the fact that it's the kind of, it's the sort of film, I, I kind of think of it in the same way as Dirty Dancing. And what I mean by that is, is the sense that on the surface, it appears to be very much a one-note kind of film. Like Dirty Dancing, it's about the dancing, and it's dirty, and it's Patrick Swayze, and they do the lift. And with Labyrinth, oh, it's David Bowie, and the Muppets, and Jennifer Connelly's and all that. But in both films, the minute you kind of look just underneath the surface of it, there's so much more going on with it. Um, and, you know, like Labyrinth is a very... I don't want to say a dark film, but it's definitely a lot more adult than people initially give it credit for. Um, It was written by Terry Jones, Terry Jones from Monty Python. He wrote a script back in 1984, which kind of sort of worked along the same lines of uh, The Dark Crystal, which was another Jim Henson, Terry Jones uh, film. But where The Dark Crystal had a lot more emphasis, almost on the horror, Labyrinth had a bit more comedy to come with it. Um... A number of scriptwriters went through it. Uh, Laura Phillips, who previously did Fraggle Rock, George Lucas, Elaine May, Dennis Lee. Now, eventually, because of, I guess, whatever you want to call it, WGA uh, rules, Terry Jones became the credited sole writer for it. But he has said himself that, you know, the general sketches of it were there, but it was really George Lucas and uh, Jim Henson and... Elaine May and Dennis Lee, who kind of really kind of put their own kind of stamp on it. The film had a budget of 25 million, but it was an absolute box office bomb. It only grossed 12.9 million in the US on its theatrical run. And in fact, the failure of it demoralized Jim Henson pretty much that it was it was the last feature film that he did before his death in 1990. In fact, it was so bad that Brian Brian Henson, his son, uh, said that it was one of the most difficult periods in his father's career. But, of course, like most kind of, you know, pieces of art that kind of transcend their time, it now has a cult following. You think a labyrinth, a lot of people have a lot of big, big memories attached to it. And it's the same with Elaine Crowley when she talked about it. She really talked about this film as a really formative experience. And she even talked about how it inspired her to go off and train to become an actor, which I didn't know. I didn't realize she had trained to be an actor. I always just thought of her as like the TV person and the presenter and the producer and all that. Um, The cast of it as well, I think, I mean, again, we talk about Labyrinth, you immediately go to David Bowie. And David Bowie, he's not a great actor. I mean, he was brilliant in The Prestige. He was brilliant in you know, the man who fell to earth and he was great in uh, The Hunger, that one with Susan Sarandon. But I think you can... David Bowie is one of those actors that every time you look at him, you're looking at David Bowie. You just know it's him. It's not one of these, he's not one of these actors that can separate himself from his, his I guess, uh, his persona. You just see him as David Bowie. But in Labyrinth, I think it actually works for him. 
you know, that kind of theatricality that he had, especially in the 80s when he was doing the whole, you know, uh, Ashes to Ashes, Let's Dance, when he was in that whole kind of era, it was very much theatricality. It was really about the image and the eyeliner and all that. So, you know, if he was to do this in his, I don't know, Ziggy Stardust era, it wouldn't have worked. But the fact that he was doing it in this era, I think, really kind of helped him. The gas thing as well is is that David Bowie actually really had to be talked into it. Um, I know, I, when I was talking about Terry Jones's draft of the script, there was numerous drafts sent to David Bowie. And he said that it lacked humour and actually considered pulling out a resu- result of it. Um, but when Terry Jones went in and started doing his work of it, again, um, David Bowie was happy to sign on with it. Um there was enough, there was a certain amounts of, you know, I guess kind of uh, sexualization, if that's the right word. I mean, it, it's always kind of there, but I mean, you know, certain drafts of the script did kind of make it a bit more, a little bit more kind of pointed, I guess. But it's, again, it, it, it's, it's a strange film because obviously it does very much speak to the female experience in the idea of, you know, a, a girl becoming a woman and that, you know, that that whole thing that, you know, obviously I as a man can't really understand, but for women it's a very, very powerful, potent thing. And that's something that our Elaine Crowley talked about, that the idea of the film is that kind of half period between, you know, girlhood and womanhood and, you know, how women don't know themselves in this point and, you know, the idea of a man coming in and wanting the woman and it, that being drawn out of it. It's a very, very hard line to, a very, very hard line to navigate, like, because, you know, again, it's that thing of, you know, you can't really be certain, is this the right thing? And it's just, it was a very, very interesting film looking back on it with that kind of perspective. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting film. Um, it didn't, like I said, it didn't do well uh, commercially-wise, and critically as well, it didn't do too great either. Um, the, Like I said, the box office didn't do well, but, I mean, the, the reviews for it, I think a lot of them kind of really didn't, you know, it never, like, they just said that it was made with a lot of care, but it didn't come alive. Roger Ebert said that uh, he gave the film two stars out of four, and he said that the film never really comes alive. He said that the film was set in an arbitrary world where none of its none of its events had any consequences. Um, Gene Siskel in the Chicago Tribune called it awful, a pathetic story with a visually ugly style, and said that the sight of a baby in peril is one of one is one of sleaziest gimmicks a film can employ to gain our intention, but Henson does it. Now, you know, yeah, that that is true. The sight of a baby it definitely does put peril into it. But again, it's like the thing of like the witches, uh, Roald Dahl's The Witches. You know, that film is horrifying, and that was directed by Nicholas Rogue, who did like Don't Look Now, one of the great horror films he's ever made. So like, it's that thing of was there something in the eighties? that made these films more potent and more willing to terrify people. Because, like, you know, the whole, not sexualized subplot, but the whole the whole relationship with David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly in this, there's no way that would happen now. Just wouldn't. And the same idea of, like, putting a baby, a to- like, an actual baby in peril, again, wouldn't happen nowadays. And especially it wouldn't happen in a kid's film, which is what Labyrinth is. It's a kid's film. Um, and again, I just, you know... It's 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 very 
it, it, yeah, it, it really does go into a lot of it. Like now, I know some people talk when they talk about the sexualization of it, they kind of compare it to uh, the Nutcracker, um, and that's fair. I mean, that's that is fair, but it's just it, it's very it's odd. It's a weird film. It's definitely a weird film, but I think it's the kind of film that will absolutely leave an impact on you. Whether you've seen it, you know, as a child, a teenager, or as you see it as an adult, it is the kind of film that you will come away with it, and it will have that effect on you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's a really, really interesting film. David Bowie's performance in it really exceptional. Jennifer Connelly as well. I mean, I think, I think the fact that you know this was the film that really launched her career, and you can see it in her, like the performance that she gives, it's way beyond her years. Um, and it's a shame. I mean. You know, it, it's the kind of film that I would think, had it done well and had it been received better, I would have loved to have seen what Jim Henson did did after it. Um, I kind of think of it, in, the, in that respect, I kind of would compare it to John Carpenter, Starman, um, which is a, another film from the same era, but it was a film that, you know, it was, it was a, a subject matter that the director was not immediately associated with, and it bombed. And it never, the director never recovered. In the case of Jim Henson, obviously, he never made a film again. With John Carpenter, he never made a kind of a drama, sci-fi film again because Starman bombed so badly. Um, and it's that thing of like, you know, what what, what might have been, you know? But, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a really, really interesting film. It's definitely an evocative film. And uh, Elaine Crowley was good enough to talk all about it. So here's that talk. Right, so yeah. before we get into this, you had two choices. Mm. You were going to go for Princess Bride yeah. and you were going to go for Labyrinth. Like, Why did you pick Labyrinth over Princess Bride? It was just just that because you... Because lo- after watching Labyrinth, I decided I wanted to work in that industry and I want. I started doing London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Um, I was trained, I was tra- decided to be an actor. Wow. It never worked out. Right. But that's why I just remember watching it going, wow, that is what I want to do. It was... It, it you was, want to work and yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I was about 12 or 13, I think, when I watched it first, which wouldn't have been a million miles away yeah. from when the age Jennifer Connelly was. And of course, it's, it's like you identify with whoever you want. It's great escapism yes. and into this world, you know. So I went, yeah. So I, I signed up and started drama lessons and acting lessons and the whole thing. did it for, until I left. I was going to do drama in, in college, but my dad wouldn't let me. He said I could be a director and hire myself in my own movies. But then I ended up doing radio and sound. My first job was sound engineer, actually. Radio like, station. Like our over there. I'm making ads and promos on radio. But like, that's that's funny because I I don't know how the fuck I've ended up doing what I'm doing. To be quite. Oh, well, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say because like I would and I I don't mean this in a bad way, but yeah. I never would have guessed you as an actor. I'm and shit. I'm like I'm not shit. No, no, I'm not saying you're shit. I'm but just like I yeah, but I suppose what I do and it. I'm sorry to sound a bit Lorraine Kelly about it in a way, but you do have to put on a certain persona. Of course, yeah. But yeah, I would have loved to have had the talent to do it. I'd love that. Yeah. But a specific kind of film, like I wanted to do the... You the, wanted to do Labyrinth like? Yeah, I wanted to do Labyrinth. Yeah. And game, uh, like things like Game of Thrones, Vikings, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Fantasy Just, like. yeah. Fantasy. Yeah, complete escapism. But it's funny though, because like, I mean, when you watch Labyrinth, like it's... I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It is complete fantasy. But yeah. in the sense of like... It's about the young girl, Jennifer Connelly's character, escaping her own reality. But also as well, and this is a point I want to see if you yeah. think this. 
it's about be as much as it's about reality it's about face or sorry as much as it is about escaping reality it's about accepting reality facing your reality exactly. and facing what your in life sense, is yeah. yeah in the sense that she is now becoming a woman yeah that's that's exactly it it's the kind of the, the, the whole transition from girlhood to womanhood I think that's why the David Bowie's there as well because he could potentially be her handsome prince even though he's a goblin king yeah. and she wants to run away and be this fantastical princess but realising you know what real life isn't like that you can't run away you have to face up to your responsibilities at some point yeah even even if your life is shit because around that time all the, the what is the extended 80s or whatever they called yeah. it all those movies around that time had crappy parents and yeah. these main characters wanting to just run away and get away from it all yeah like E.T. like yeah. for example was all about like leaving your parents and running away yeah like. yeah yeah um, you've touched on something there with David Bowie like there is some like and I I, I say this because when I mentioned this to a few people that oh yeah it's it's going to be a labyrinth they were like yeah that film is very formative yeah it's very, it is like David Bowie it's it's a thing isn't mm. it like it's a real thing of like oh this is it's an awakening almost like yeah, and I'm yeah. not being creepy now I don't mean to no, sound creepy no 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 but, you know but I mean? would like, like I wouldn't have seen it that way because you were too me, young like not, not probably in one way in another way like David Bowie was just an amazing musician as far as I was concerned right. he was never someone I would have fancied and I had on my wall so that right. he was just this weird goblin prince who wanted to like magic her away a bit like I suppose you know Yeats's poem uh, come away, O oh human child, to the waters in the wild with a fairy hand in hand. The whole labyrinth yeah, 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 is yeah. very much like that. And if you go throughout uh, any sort of literature and any history, you do have that kind of dark character trying to steal away the beautiful young yeah, lady. And, and yeah, 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 same sort of stuff. And then you have uh, the the whole stealing children. I mean, it take it it steals and heavily heavily borrows. It steals from so yeah. many different sort of uh, stories. But there's no such thing as an original story. Every story we have is just a mishmash of any sort of Greek, Roman That's or right. even Gaelic, ancient Gaelic culture. Yeah, so you can't really kind yeah. of claim it as an original. No. Um, how, well, what were your first, I mean, I know you kind of said there that when you watched this, you were like, okay, that's it. I want to be an actor. I want to do this as my job. But can you remember any kind of specific points of it that really struck you or just, or even stay with you to this day? But like? I think as well as that, and I, I think because the whole, and uh, the, the whole, puppetry behind it and Jim Henson and, and yeah. who doesn't love Jim Henson I think the age that I, I watched it is very important with that because at that age as a girl you're, you were, myself I would have been between childhood and yeah. womanhood so I loved the idea of puppets and yes. um, animation and animatronics and I loved it you could still indulge in the childish part of you whereas kind of indulging in the, the, the grown darker up, the grown up themes as well so I think that's why probably if I watched it for the first time now I wouldn't be affected by it at all yeah. but I think at the time is the time when I watched it is because it was so impactful I just was like wow this is what I want to do yeah just run away yeah that's it because I mean it, it, it is that kind of thing of like you know the escapism of it um, did you ever watch The Dark Crystal no it's don't it's, I, it's, I've, I've known I've no yeah I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation in and around the same time as well my lovely friend Marina yeah, I need to talk to you about that. You um, know she's my proper friend, like she tells I me know that. Days. I'm I, going to see her play next month. How jealous are you? I Well, like, I'm going to tell you this right now and I, I, I'm i going to admit this to you and I'm going to admit this to the people who are going to be listening to this. Uh, Councillor Troy turned me into a man. Yeah, she turned many people into a man. Yeah, yeah. she turned me into a man. Like, that's formative. For, she, like, as much as David Bowie, yeah. you know, Troy, yeah. like Yeah, you're not alone there. Good, yeah, great, yeah. Because, <laughs> like... She's probably the reason why I've yeah. like exclusively dated dark-haired women in my life. Like, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Tell her the next time she's tell over. Her. Tell you her. Meet her. 
She's I, lovely. I, you know, like I was meant to interview her when she was over for a Dublin Comic Con and I got, it's the only time I've gotten a bit like... Oh, Starstruck. A bit like, oh fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, this I, know, so I get, I, and like, I interview famous people all the time. I'm not yeah. dropping names, but like... I know, I, sure, don't we all? Yeah, and like, I, I couldn't do it. I was like, no, can't do it. You actually couldn't do it? I couldn't, I would like, I that would, I... And you know she's the nicest woman you'll ever meet. I would meet. believe that because I saw she's her. She's fucking wicked sense of humor. I've heard that she's like I, I heard she's gas. Like yeah. she will literally laugh at anything. Like cause she's very body kind yeah. of humor. Like she was um, going over. She actually stopped off in Dublin specifically to visit me in our way to her last. Really? Um, yeah. She was doing a an event in was it the UK or in Germany? But there was a stopover somewhere. Yes, so she yes, picked yes, a stopover yeah. for three days in Dublin, and I was just out of hospital, so we um. You got it. Yeah, she got. Jeez, we went for afternoon tea and had the chats. And Dave Rudden, who's um, you know the author, yeah, yeah, mad course, about yeah. her. So I said, I said, I promise I'll let you introduce her. So he came along and had the chats, and it's lovely. See? Don't bl- don't please. But it, like, but like, they say, never meet your heroes. Yeah, like I around that same time, you know, you're a teenager, you're awkward. I just watched Star Trek obsessively, and um, then to imagine meeting her, and she's lovely, and she's yeah. found, and she asked me for my number and we went for dinner when she was over and you just click with someone and it's fucking cancer toy I can't get over that I know I can't either it's very weird because I've always seen her on your whenever yeah. she's over she's on your yeah. show like and I'm like fuck that's Troy look that's at Troy. her that's Troy I know she's right there I know um, to go back to yeah. to go back to Labyrinth I mean you know there is the element of it that it is kind of terrifying that film is terrifying in I parts I think if you look at the owl at the very start yes. I mean that Owls are terrifying at the best of times anyway because yeah. of that whole malevolent look about them and yeah. and Twin Peaks as well yeah um, even Sarah Maria Griffith has written a novel at the moment it was just released I'm reading it I'm interviewing her tomorrow Other Words for Smoke have you read it I've, I know her I know yeah. Sarah very well holy god it's scaring the you know what out of me yeah. because there's an owl in the walls yeah. this weird creature that turns into an owl so uh, something about that always just conjures fear and a sort of a dread mm. and the, the Goblin King manifests as an owl. manifests himself into an owl. So yeah. it is terrifying and it is very dark and it is a very dark side of the story as well. I mean, th- whatever about the whole joy of watching the Muppets and yeah. Jim Henson's wonderful work, there is a very, very scary side yeah. of it as well. I mean, you've, whatever, you've the joke of the bog of eternal stench, but then, I don't know, the, remember the scene where they're coming down on all the hands? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That scared the living bejays is out yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. It really did. The thoughts of that happening, you. Yeah. I and mean, that's the stuff of nightmares. But that's it, isn't it? And like, like falling in junkyards and all the and then the walls closing in on you and the, your whole world being a lie. It's a the whole world being yeah, completely yeah, yeah. A, a lie. Like when the then the the junkyard at the very end of it, when her room is reconstructed and she realizes it's not really real. And when she sees uh, the other part of it as well is that when she sees all the it's like a Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like, it's like when she sees all the parts around her room and you realize that there were characters. Yeah. In yeah. Um, do you think though that and this is something I've always or the usual suspects. <laughs> well, yeah, but no, but like, have you ever noticed that thing about films from that era just seem to be a bit more extreme? Darker. Darker. Mm. And like the other example I would give is, one I would give is Labyrinth. The other I would give is The Dark Crystal. Another I would give is The Witches with Angelica Hughes. I loved The Witches. But isn't it terrifying? You wouldn't get away with it now. That's what I'm saying. You wouldn't get away with it now. That's not necessarily a good thing because I think sometimes we cocoon kids a little bit too much now because they're evil. By and large, children are evil. Small little ones. Sure. They have awful oh look at them playing their imaginations they're wild. yeah yeah they're, 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 they're not these fluffy lovely little creatures at all I yeah. mean the witches that scene of the witches and the mask comes off <laughs> yeah 
that is for any age person that's utterly terrifying yeah. but like even the way they've sanitised everything now the Brothers Grimm stories are sanitised for Disney I mean fairy tales are by its very nature hideous. Yeah. I mean, the ugly sister's feet get cut off in Cinderella to fit into the shoes. And in Snow White, basically, it's not a kiss that wakes her up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But all these things are whitewashed. And I think maybe in a, in a bad way to sanitise it because th- there's a danger, I think, now that everything's too... Coddled. Molly coddled. Yeah, Molly coddled. Yeah, yeah, Molly very coddled. much. Everyone's wrapped in cotton wool and everyone thinks, well, if you watch that, it'll damage you for life yes you might get nightmares but it's not the end of the world to get nightmares you have to live yeah this is it like I mean there's an element of sort of like yeah if you sanitise something if you blunt the edges of it so much that it won't have any impact yeah and this is it like I mean you know I don't think there are films like I say young adult films like Labyrinth that people are going to be talking about in no. 20-30 years the way we're talking about it now they're not catering to that genre at all no. now um, you go from maybe the Harry Potter's straight yeah. up to over 18s adult horror and there's no in-between and that in-between market is very important I think it's kind of being lost down the valley of um, computer games and yeah. YouTube now I suppose. and maybe that maybe I'm, off, I'm just behind the times and that's how people get their escapism now but I mean there's nothing better than getting lost in a good book or a yes. good movie and they, it just doesn't seem to have the same it's all about the lipstick and the outfits as opposed to the characters now because Jennifer Connelly wouldn't have been cast in that role now no not a hope in hell like the eyebrows alone with yeah. the qualifier like, <laughs> exactly you know I mean? she's but had they're... a nose job since now but like but she personified what it Completely. was like to be um, an awkward that kind of blooming side because your your features are too big for your face yeah. you're not a grown up yet you're still not a child it's an awful time and I think she p- portrayed it brilliantly yeah that's it like she that's that, that is the thing I, I, I thought that was really interesting about it was the fact that like yeah she had the big eyes yeah I, but you know, as you say, like she, she herself, you could, you could tell that she was uncomfortable in her skin, yeah. and it's that thing of like when you're, you know, becoming, you know, a, a, an adult, your the stuff body... is growing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to put it that way, but yeah, stuff is growing, and it's like, oh god, do I tape it down? What yeah, do yeah, I do, yeah. kind of thing? Well, not taping it down. Maybe no, well, that's well, no. I like I mean, my girlfriend yeah. is like that. Her, her thing was she was like she yeah. hated the fact that she. Oh yeah, I stopped tense, tap dancing and everything around that time. Yeah, that was it. Just she was to know terrified. what's happening to yourself. Yeah, that's it. And like that's to, to put that into a film and not even be explicit about it, but just sort of. Yeah. have it in the background that but it's a thing that's why I think it's interesting when she goes to play with her like her toy at the start because Toby has Lancelot which is yeah. upset her in the first place her teddy bear so she's clinging to childhood but you see the kind of budding woman as well in it when she's kind of going tempted uh, towards a goblin king when she's in the lovely dress and yeah. she's uh, floating around and doing the, the dance yeah, and the ball and all so that, mystical yeah. and wonderful and then that kind of you can see her being physically torn between the two all throughout and I think that's what makes this lovely and you're right I don't think we'd get any sort of um, movies like that anymore No Would you I mean I, you know is it one of these things that there's an element of and I know we kind of touched on this there's an element of we are ascribing a value to this that doesn't exist in the sense of like we're looking back on it with nostalgia with rose tinted glasses um, I don't think so it's when was the last time you watched it? Like? I watched it last year. And um, did, it, did it still hold up? Like, yeah, it does. It actually does yeah. because I think the the story is very universal. Mm. And you might criticise maybe the techniques or something like that. I mean, the awful black screen they used for the the fiery fireys yeah. that was pretty wogeous. But I suppose inevitably there was maybe a little small bit of nostalgia. But I think the very theme of it. The it's con- still, it's it constructed still and it constructed really well and it wasn't very well received at the time it was no. only got the, a bit like the Shawshank Redemption it got the cult following afterwards and that's what yeah. made it huge but 
I think a movie like that or a TV series like the original Star Trek, yeah. they don't get that sort of traction unless they have something of inherent value and long lasting value. We wouldn't still be talking about it. It wouldn't still be on TV every year. Yeah. If it wouldn't still be on, on streaming. You wouldn't get it if it was going to disappear into the ether like other movies around the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel uh, then there's a body of work that are similar to that. They that haven't maybe made it in movie theatres. Yeah. But from a grassroots level, it's grown. Yeah, well, that's it. Cause and that I, says a lot more than the big PR push. Yeah. And the trick, the trickle up the, the kind of uh, trickle up rather than the trickle down. Yeah. It says a lot more about the character of the film, I think. Yeah, because it's funny because like I, I didn't like, I mean, I know it was it was released in like, what was it, like 1986, 1985? They wrapped in 85, I think it might have been released late 86. Yeah. So like I would have been. Not 100%, not 100% sure. But 11 this, or 12 or whatever. Yeah, like, but what I'm what saying, I was. <laughs> yeah, but this is it. Like, yeah, but I'm saying this is that like, you know, most people saw it on their own terms and they either saw it on the VHS or they saw it as the big, big movie. Mm. Mm. on TV yes, or something yeah. like that they never kind of saw it in cinema where it was this thing yeah so people have always it's I think of it as a kind of thing like a book it's handed down yeah it's but I wouldn't of, have seen it in cinema no nor I like yeah it. but I, and I think I, you stumble across it and yeah. you, you love it or you hate it it's, it's as simple as that like the first movie I saw in the cinema was The Last Unicorn it's an animation that's right broke my heart into smithereens really? absolutely broke my heart I thought it was awful and it made me cry and I don't like things that make me upset and cry whereas that's what I think even though terrifying as Labyrinth can be to some kids yeah. there is kind of the element of hope at the end and she still yeah. has her friends around her and even though she has to settle with her normal life and accept the fact that she has a slightly evil stepmom-ish she's a brother that she now loves and appreciates yeah. and her dad isn't great but she still has the kind of comfort of her imaginary friends around her around yeah. that's actually interesting there that whole thing about like sorry that they have this thing of a broken family like yeah. she comes from a broken family like, very much so that it doesn't you know it, it's obviously it's referenced and yeah there is a sort of thing of oh maybe she has an evil stepmother but yeah. like that they were doing that in the 80s like you couldn't imagine them doing that in the in the 60s for example no. with Snow White for example no. I think that was kind of more realistic than people give it credit for yeah and I think anyone that's gone through that that's what you do you kind of you run away to your happy you go way into yourself and you disappear into your books yeah. or your movies or your anything else and I think that's why it did resonate with anybody who maybe did have a tough time as a teen or was yeah. going through stuff you got kind of identified with that character good yeah bit. definitely yeah. Um, okay final question on this um, do you remember the words to Magic Dance and was Magic Dance one of your favourite songs growing up no yeah, I, didn't no, li- I like I didn't the first li- one. No, I still actually, I have a niece that loves Labyrinth now as well. So, do you know, remind me of the babe. What babe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the babe. I actually do know most of it, to be quite honest, <laughs> which, which is slightly embarrassing. But, um, I didn't think the train, I didn't it's think It's not I a great song. I, by I, any good, stretch yes. of the imagination. Yes. Not at all. I mean, when you think of Bowie classics, that does not rank. R- doesn't rank no, great at all. Not at all. But it was fun. Yeah. And that was a fun element of it. You saw the cool dude that was David Bowie shuffling around with a load of puppets Muppets yeah like Muppets and essentially yeah and having the crack with them and whacking them around the place was gas yeah but that's why it was childish and it was fun as well exactly that yeah Yeah. but now Magic child. Dance is not the, the best the pinnacle of his career now it has to be said no it must definitely <laughs> be said okay I know you're tired for time so I'm going to leave it there thank you so much for coming in okay we're done we're done we're done